Welcome back to another episode of the Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. I am excited about the guest that I have lined up for you today. He is uh, he's a legend, and he's quite funny, uh, as, I've, as I've quickly learned. He is the uh, he's the co-founder of Udo's Choice Line, which can be found in Whole Foods and other health uh, food stores worldwide. He's an author of many books, including the bestseller Facts That Heal, Fats That Kill, which has sold more than 250,000 copies. The guest has impacted more than 25 million lives worldwide with his message on oils, uh, health, peace, nature, and, and human nature. He's a very extensive education in uh, biochemistry, genetics, biology, uh, nutrition, including a master's degree in counseling uh, psychology. And I think I said all of that stuff correctly. So without further ado, Mr. Udo Uramus. Did I say that right? I hope I said that nope. right. Nope. Erasmus. 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 <laughs> I knew it. Shoot. All right. Well, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a great time, I could tell already. Uh, Let's let's kick it off. Why don't you tell my listeners uh, a little bit about yourself? Okay, so if starting from the beginning, I was my parents came from Latvia and Estonia, and my father had a farm in Latvia. Okay, and in in 1938, Hitler and Stalin made a non-aggression pact. Okay, uh, which said which said they we're not going to fight each other, and then of course they broke it a few years later. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> but they made the pact. But when they made the pact, they decided that as a result of the of the pact, Latvia would go to the Soviet Union and part of Poland would go to Germany. And there was nobody from Latvia or Poland at the meeting. Oh, wow. They just took they just took it because they could. Right. right. They basically annexed those places. And my father had a farm in Latvia. He loved the Russians. Okay. Because they're they're very emotional people. Right. And and they're like really easy to be with. Okay. And he hated communism because they took everything away from everybody because they had gone through the Bolshevik revolution. Right. It, up there it was like it was crazy. People would change their minds about what the truth was every week and they'd ask strangers for what the truth was and if the stranger gave the wrong answer they'd shoot him. <laughs> like it was really crazy so so he ended up going to poland because he had german swedish background okay and ended up getting a farm from a polish farmer and the polish farmer became his farmhand and that was a little intense so they said look this is a crazy times we're living let's run the farm the farm that needs to be run and uh when when all this stuff shakes out then we'll we'll sort it out so then they became friends and then they helped us get out. And uh, when I was two, the war ended. I'm 81, so I was born in 1942. The, and we were refugees fleeing out of Poland on dirt roads with no military presence, on horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly women with young children, because the men were either dead or in war or prisoner or war camps or wherever. And uh, the, uh, the, the communists were chasing us in tanks and trucks. And the allies, which we always think of as the good guys, they were using us refugees as target practice and they were shooting at us from the from planes. And there were dead horses and dead people in the ditches and it was winter. And my mother had six kids with her, six years and younger, four were her own. And uh, she decided that it was safer to go through the snow covered fields than to stay on the road. And so she had to leave four kids behind because she, you know, imagine a mother having to make that decision, leaving two of her own kids behind. And so she left us with the farmer and it's a long story. I ended up in an orphanage and, and then my, her sister found out about it and she came and dug us out and reunited us with the family. I don't know how long that took, maybe a month or something. So the crazy, and I don't remember much other than I never felt safe. So I was always like this, yeah. you know, 
always safe, didn't know what I could trust. When you talk to people, you know, they didn't, you know, they said one thing and did another, you know, and, and so I became a bookworm. I was always reading because reading, I could read about anything, including war, no bullets flying. Right. So because reading books are safe. And I, I was always very serious. I, I had a comical side. That was my survival skill because I was the littlest kid. So I, I couldn't run as fast or fight as hard as my, my siblings. But whenever there was tension, I could break it by doing something goofy or saying something goofy, usually saying something goofy. Right. So that, but inside behind that, I was actually very serious. I was really always trying to figure out, you know, what, what about it, anything. Yeah. And because I was, was insecure, um, I, I always did experiments. I broke things and I just wanted to see what was stronger than the other, what was harder than the other. What I wonder what'll happen if, you know, right. <laughs> and then you can go in any direction with that. And I was always on my own track, uh, not so much interested in the family. I'll be out in the meadow watching little spiders climb gr- blades of grass, and you know, yeah, <laughs> I just like with my head in the in the in the in the grass, you know, why is it like like anyway? So. Uh, and then when I was six years old, I listened to people argue. They argued. It was so intense. And they, it, I was argued about things. And I said, what, why are you arguing about that? That's so trivial. And so they always made me uneasy. And, uh, and uh, one day when I heard yet another of these intense arguments, the thought came to me, man, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And that little cocky voice, and I'm going to find out how, <laughs> you know, six years old, doesn't know how complicated everything. Right. I'm going to find out how people can live in harmony. <laughs> right. And that's been my driver all my life. And, and, and so, okay. So, and this was, this was while you were in, now you're still in Poland at, at no, the no. time. No, we, no, we, we, we got out of, out of Poland. We ended up in West Germany. Jeff. Okay. That's true. Okay. West yeah. Germany. And then we left Germany for Canada when I was 10. Gotcha. Okay. My, my father couldn't get out of Europe fast enough because they had gone through first world war followed right. by the Bolshevik, Bolshevik revolution, right. followed by the depression, followed by the second world war. That was their life. And so he lived on a farm in uh, Northern British Columbia. Wow. And one of his famous sayings was, I just want to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he would read the newspaper cover to cover. You know, I don't know why he'd read the stupid thing because it always upset him. Right. He read the newspaper cover to cover. He folded up very nicely, get out of his chair, walk into the middle of the living room, and say to no one in particular, "The world stinks." <laughs> <laughs> and then his third one was, "If it doesn't rain in my bed, I'm happy." <laughs> so they were, you know, it was tough. It was tough. They were tough and. And they went through a lot. Right. And I didn't get along with my father at all until I one day when I was 26. Yeah. I was sitting in the sunshine and I kind of got a picture of him in my mind with the whole grid of history that he went through behind him. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, if I had gone through what he had gone through, I would have probably turned out just about like he did. Yeah. I mean, man, and he was man intense went through a and lot. Was, I mean, a lot of yeah, history yeah. there. A and, lot of history. Yeah. And then all my animosity just fell off. Yeah, it's weird how that happens, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's something else. So, so you, as you as you got older, from that point, yeah. you're 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 into everything. You're a bookworm. You like yeah. you like to read. Yeah. What 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 happened? Uh, you, you go to high school, and I, and I know you have a, a couple of degrees. So I'm assuming eventually yeah, yeah. you went on to the university. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah. When it came to education, my parents believed in education. Yeah, they were like they come from a culture of educated people. Right. Basically. Okay. So when it came time to go to university, I started in science because I wanted to understand how things work, and that worked really well for my insecurity. Right. Because if you know how things work, they become right. predictable. Right. And that's what science is, you know, predict and control. Right. right? So I got into science. Then I I kind of got it got too theoretical. We got into physics and, and math and, and I was good at it, but I, it was boring. 
It was <laughs> for me. Fair enough. So I went into. So I, I, went I agree. Into <laughs> I I went into biological science because I wanted to know how creatures work. Okay. And then I went and got into psychology because I wanted to know how thinking works. Yeah. Then I took a year of medicine because I wanted to know what health is. It's because it's called healthcare, and found out very quickly that they're only teaching us about disease. And so I went to the dean and I said, "Hey, I came. I came here to study health. What is health?" Right. He said, "We don't know. We're working on it." Oh. That's it probably the most disappointing answer I've ever gotten in a professional situation. So the professor couldn't we answer also, the question. Huh? The, the professor couldn't answer the question. Yeah, the dean. Yeah, the dean. Oh, yeah. wow. So he couldn't answer the question. And so that was really disappointing. And then we were told in first year medicine that a doctor should always sound as though he knows what's going on, even when he doesn't. Oh. <laughs> and that ended my medical career because I wasn't going to lie to people. Right. And I also realized by that time, I learned more about health in biology than I do in medicine, because in biology, you're studying normal creatures functioning normally in normal situations. Right. And in disease, the focus is always on abnormal, abnormal. So I went back into biochemistry and genetics. Uh, that's where I ended up in grad studies. And, uh, and then, but there was still something missing. There was always something. When I was 50, when I was 17 years old, I remember my heart started to ache. Like, you know, uneasy feeling in your chest. Yeah. You know, you know the feeling? Yeah, sure do. You know, all all too well. All too well. You get, yeah, your girlfriend dumped you and you feel blue, you know, it's in your chest, right? <laughs> or somebody dies that you were close to, oh, then you're really sad. You feel it in your chest. I started feeling that and I couldn't shake it when I was 17 and I couldn't figure out what it was and nobody talked about it. And if I tried to talk about it, they said, don't talk about it. You're just, just going to drive you crazy. Or why can't you just get a job like your brother? <laughs> you know, it's the kind of stuff they said to me. So, but I was always looking for, there's something, there's something, there's something missing. And I, and so I eventually left university cause I didn't find it in, in, uh, in, I, I also went into social psych a little bit right. and anthropology a little bit and theology a little bit. And what I was looking for was not findable there. Right. So I left university and then I got into psychedelics and uh, I, I, I happened, I worked in neurological research and uh, as a summer job. Okay. And Sandoz had, had sent 144 ampules of, Sandoz LSD to the neurological lab. It was sitting on a shelf. I had heard about people in the arts faculties. I was in science so in the arts faculties where they were using psychedelics and I didn't know what it was, but I snitched six of the ampules. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a fr two friends, two friends and I got together and I took like about a little more than half of one ampule, 60 micrograms. It's so like tiny, tiny dose. Yeah. Soaked in a sugar cube. That's how it was done in the early 80s, in the early 60s, rather. And, uh, and I, was, I ended up rolling on the floor laughing and the tears were running down my face and where they were playing Mozart and I was laughing in time to Mozart. Oh. And, and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and the, the joke, the joke was here, here I am, I, uh, everything that I've been so studiously looking for in the world yeah. is inside of me. And that was, struck me as the, the, the most, the greatest joke, the cosmic joke. It's like a joke, you know, God gets tired of people complaining all the time. So yeah. he goes to his advisors and says, I want to go, I want to get out of here. I just can't stand, stand it anymore. So. You know, one of his advisors says, well, go on Mount Everest, you know, because nobody's ever going to go there. And I said, no, 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 they'll, they'll find me there. And then somebody else says, go into the Marriott, you know, what is it called? Mariachi Trench, Marriott something, the deepest oh, hole in the Mar ocean. Mar Marietta Trench, yeah. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, and they said, no, no, they'll find me there. And a little, little kid advisor comes, he sees, they always think he's stupid, right? And he says, God, just, hi just hide in the heart of man. They'll never look there. <laughs> oh. 
And so he did. And so he did. And, and that's kind of still true, right? Yeah, very much. Wow. Anyway, so, so it struck me as just so funny that everything that I was looking for was actually inside of me. And I was always looking for answers on the outside. And I was never looking on the inside. And I said, oh, okay. And that was, for me, was a huge turnaround. I also realized, oh my God, there's a thousand ways to live. You know, I was very, you know, like I said, I was very, I was very tightly wound. Right. And basically that LSD trip blew the door off my war, war, my war baby personality. No, you, you know, it's, it's, I've done several shows on, on psychedelics because, yeah. uh, you know, prior to starting the show, I told you I was a combat veteran and, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, here in the States, more and more veterans are turning to plant-based medicines and yeah. psychedelics um, in, in a very controlled environment. Let me, I have yeah. to be clear when I say that. It's a very yeah, controlled yeah. environment. To deal um, with PTSD. To, be, and... to, to deal with PTSD and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, the studies that are coming out of this now are... Mm-hmm. are fascinating yeah with it you yeah know, for 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 you know you, i mean all my all my life you know i'm 45 all my life it's it's always been you know drugs are bad drugs are bad say yeah, no yeah. to drugs yes. you know and, 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 and to a sense there's there's a lot of truth to that but i think people are starting to see now that there there are some benefits to certain yeah, things you know, in a controlled environment Everything has benefits in the right situation. Yes, absolutely. 100% you know, you can, agree. Yeah. Even white sugar, you can, you can pack a, like if you get injured, badly injured, yeah. you can pack a wound with white sugar and it will not get infected. But that's about the only good use for white sugar. <laughs> <laughs> right? But that, my, my point is that, so under supervision and used with care right. and used yep. with intent. Right. Yeah. Uh, psychedelics have huge potential. Yeah, 100% for freeing people from their demons. Yeah. And from helping them find their own presence. Yeah. If I I I'm I'm saying it in my own way, right? No, but Don't, but, but everybody that I've talked to has has said very along the similar lines of yeah. you know, a very 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 uh, close dear friend of mine. Um went through it and and i could you know talking to him the week after he he went through the process it was a several day process when he got back the first time i talked to him it was a night and day difference you could just hear it in his voice and it it was almost to the point where he broke down because he was just like i there's so many things that that are clear now that weren't yeah. before, yeah. and I'm like, really, yeah. you know, and yeah. and I, I've always been kind of hesitant. And I and I'm a firm believer, like, you know, several people have said, Adam, you need to you need to try it, and I I I think if if it's meant to be, it'll happen mm-hmm. at the time that God permits it to to happen. Um, yeah. But but the people that I've talked to, you know, combat veterans, special you know forces operators, and and and, and so on, they've all that, that have gone through it. They've all yeah. said, I feel at peace for the first time in as long as I can yeah. remember. And and yeah. and you're thinking to yourself, these are tier one operators. These are guys that are the best of the best in what they do. Yeah. And they're coming out and they're like, I'm I'm finally at peace. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, because you know, because why is that? Because if you look into human nature. Yeah. And I've I've pre- spent my life thinking about this, you know, how can live, people live in harmony? Well, you got to know human nature right. to figure that out. Right. If you look at human nature, the core of our being, our foundation, the foundation of our existence is an all encompassing peace. And it's not just the foundation of our existence, but it's actually the foundation of the existence of the entire universe. And that doesn't mean much until you actually feel it. And the psychedelics give you a glimpse of that. They don't take you there and you don't end up staying there, but they give you insight into something that you can then chase down. Right now, outside of that all encompassing peace, you in your 
individual essence are actually the flow of unconditional empowering love. Mm. That is your essence, the life energy, which is who you are. Because yeah. if I say to you, hey, uh, uh, Adam, whose body is that? What would you tell me? Point at you, who's Adam? Who's, Mine, Adam. Who's, Mine. It's my body, yeah. it's my body, right? Yeah. You know that you just busted yourself? You just told me that you're not the body. Didn't, right? Never looked at it that, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if it's, if that's your body, then you're not the body, you're the owner. Well, who owns the body? Well, life owns the body. And in fact, the moment that life and the body separate, your body's done. Right? Yeah. So you wow. are actually life in your essential, in your essential, in your individual essence, in your individual nature. And that that life energy, if you trace it back, and I'm doing gonna do a little science. I love right? this, yeah. Okay, so that energy came from the sun. The sun, you know, all the everything runs on the sun on the planet. Not everything, but almost everything. You know, something runs on on earth earth heat, right? Volcanoes, stuff like that. But yeah. most of the most of the living creatures run on sunlight. So sunlight shines out of the out of the sun okay. goes through seven, 93 mi th million miles of space, then go is filtered through the atmosphere, then is filtered through green plants, and then green plants take a fraction of that energy, and they uh, they store that in bonds between atoms to make molecules, and then you eat those molecules as food. And in your body, they're broken down. And when those bonds are broken, that solar energy fraction is released. And that happens in all of your cells. And that's what we call life or life energy. Right? So you are actually a solar gadget. And so is every other human being. And so is every animal and every plant. Right? Because they all run on sunlight. So sunlight, the fraction of sunlight is life. And then if you then go subjective on it and you bring your focus into the space your body occupies and become aware of the energy, and that takes practice to do, usually a stillness practice or a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice turned to your own, you know, like mindfulness of yourself, so to speak. Okay or self-discovery or self-knowledge, right? right? When you go into that energy, you can discover there's light inside of your body and you can see it. There's sound inside your body and you can hear it. There's feeling inside your body, we know that yeah. because it's love, like emptiness or love, right? You can even taste that energy and that energy is what all of the great masters talked about. Can the body, you know? can the body then incense heal itself well the 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 life energy is perfect health it can't even get sick it can't sick it can't get sick it never dies it's formless and formless is indestructible you can only destroy what has form right right so this is formless within you and it's the master within you because it runs your body so life weighs nothing runs everything is the master of the body and its message to your body is, I am come not to judge, but to love. And that's the essence of your life. The essence of the message of your life to the body. It happens to also be the message of the great masters to humanity. I am come not to judge, but to love. There's the, you know, there's no, there's, I don't know a more succinct way to, to say what is the essence of Christ of Christ's message, right? I am come not to judge, but to love, but also Buddha and also Krishna mm -hmm. and also all the wise people who lived, yeah, who did a stillness practice to be get present in their own space and then spoke from that space in them to that space in others. They were teachers of human nature. And they then, they and people who were interested in being more present in their own life or fully present in, in, their, in their own existence. They were the people who followed them. So, and even now, even though those teachers are not here in human form, 
the people who are interested in that topic pursue the, the writings and what's left of those masters and pursue some kind of a practice of, of, of coming into that mastery within them. Udo, you well, by let, some kind of a stillness practice. We, let's let's see, and, and you kind of answered the question, but I want you to reiterate it a little bit here. Yeah. The question that I have is, you have a listener right now that's listening, right? Yeah. And they they say, I want to do that. I've never done that. How can I? How can I come within? I see the light within myself. How yeah. how do I start to do that? If if somebody's never done that themselves, what do you suggest they do? Well, they, I'll give you two answers. One is first get clear that you want it. And then the question is, how much do you want it? Because if you're kind of just curious about it, you know, then you'll be distracted by anything that comes along. Right. If you, if you intensely want it, if I, if you really got to know, you'll find your way. You will find your way. And, and it's already within you. You're not looking for something to create. You're not looking for something that you got to bring in from outside. You're looking to discover or rediscover or reconnect to something that is already within you. Okay, so then, then I'll put it in, in, in stronger terms. The, this, the story of Christ is the story of every human being. Everyone eventually gets crucified. Every body eventually gets crucified. Every conception was immaculate and life energy is Christ energy. Christ runs your show, whether you know it or not. And that's true. And that's true. Whether you, whether you know the Christian story, right. Or whether you don't have any religion or, you know, some other religious story, I'm talking about biology, right? This is the, the nature of human nature, right? Now, the difference between the masters and us were made of the same stuff. Sometimes a religion tells you different, but then I'd have to say they're wrong about that. We're made of yeah. the same stuff. The difference between the masters and us was that they took it seriously. And you can read in lots of places where they took time to go be by themselves, to sit down to 40 days in the desert, whatever it is. And you and that's throughout throughout the scriptures. Right. You know, Buddha was under a banyan tree doing stillness practice, right? Yep. And so uh, they did a stillness practice. They took it seriously. They became really present in that space, and then were able to speak from the wisdom of that space because life is also the wisdom in your body. <laughs> but and the difference between them and us, they took it seriously. We. If, if we do anything, we kind of dabble in it. So we memorize a few of the words and we follow religion and we do a few rituals, but we don't actually do a committed stillness practice in which the goal is for our awareness, for our focus to go from here or in our head, we're thinking, thinking, thinking into the space our body occupies and to discover the light, the sound, the feeling, the taste in that feeling. That's the difference. We dabble and they took it seriously. And they said to us, we should make that our first priority. Yeah. Right. But and we don't. and we usually make it our last priority. Right. No, when no. we run out of options, you say, okay, well, yeah. I, now I need to make and, time for this. Yeah. And lucky for us, even when we put it last, it still works. Yeah. It, and but, it's beautiful. And, and unfortunately, only 5% of the population is wise. And the, you know, so they, they do it by vision. Gee, it, wouldn't, it would be nice. You know, the other 95% are driven there by sticks, <laughs> right? It's either a carrot or a stick. Only 5% chase the carrot, 90, 95% uh, run from the stick, right? And that's how we create crises for our, for our own learning. That's, it's so true though. I, I look back on my life and it's, yeah, well, that's a whole nother story in itself. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 get I should it. I should we should stop and I should interview yeah, you yeah, now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, 
Yeah, what kind of what kind of trouble did you have to get into to start making good decisions? Yeah, that list is too long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we all, we all have a list like you know, that. But but it's it, like but it's one of those things where it's like I noticed as I got a little more seasoned in life that yeah, how important it was to take time for yourself. I was always very much like, you yeah. know, worry about the family. You know, I have a, you know my son. Focus on focus on everything else first, and, and then and then I'll I'll worry about me later. Like I didn't really, uh, mm -hmm. it, when it comes to self care, I didn't I didn't care about myself. Yeah, yeah. I was more worried about everybody else around me. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, and we're told to do that, we're right? But like... but the problem is, it's like if you're not in a uh, at a hundred percent, then that means yeah. you can't give a hundred percent to the people that 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 need you or that rely on you. You know, yeah. I was a single parent for 15 yeah. years. My, he was a child when I took custody of him and it was, I was wrong for abusing myself uh, because I could, yeah. I wasn't, there were times that I remember where I, I could have been better at showing up. I was there all the time. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, I had yeah, a great yeah. relationship with my son, but now I'm, I'm looking back on it. It's like, it, there's, yeah. there's not, there's nothing wrong with taking care of, of you well it's it's so more you, you it's know. more than that it's not there's not nothing wrong it's really 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 important right yes exactly and and to do that first because if you're not present in your own space yeah then who are you as a parent right. or who are you as a partner right or who are you as anything other than you know somebody who manipulates something on the outside yeah but if you're talking about wisdom and raising children and and how do you how do you help them become successful in life? If you're not present, you basically take that away from them. Right. Well, because and you're not in, setting in a our, good example either. Yeah, because in our in our mother's body, when 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 she was pregnant, we you know we were we were in it. I call it the Buddha tank, right? <laughs> because because when we were in there, there was nothing to do, there was no place to go. Right. Everything was taken care of. And it was pretty safe. And so where, where do you go when there's nothing to do and nowhere to be? Well, our focus was at rest inside in its source in life. And so we were floating around in this little tank, right? Like in deep meditation for nine months in the Buddha space, in the Christ space, because there was no other place to go. Right. And then when we came out, then our senses took us out into the world by, you know, uh, attracted by change. We had to get to know the world. Is it safe? Is it not safe? Is it, is it irrelevant? We have to very quickly make those decisions for survival. Yeah. And we, our, our focus went out, out, out every day. And we ended up going from present inside, absent outside in the womb to present outside, absent inside. And that disconnection from being present inside is where heartache came from. And heartache is the call of your heart to bring your focus back home inside to your wholeness. Because that wholeness is still in you, but your focus is not on the wholeness. Well, how are you going to experience wholeness if your focus is somewhere else, right? Right. I'm writing that down. That's that's great. Uda, I want to so, I want to change gears here a little bit. For yeah. You before yeah. we run out of time, because <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we, we we have to do another one. No, yeah, abs well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck with me now. We're, we're, we're yeah, good. Damn. I, I, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> um you have a uh udo's choice yeah how did that come to fruition was that like you know i just woke up one morning and you're like you know what i'm done with what this stuff looks like how i i'm feeling i'm creating this here it is <laughs> yeah you wish <laughs> <laughs> you wish it was that simple no so what happened is uh, I left university. I did the psychedelics. I eventually, I had some very powerful experiences. That, that's a whole other story that I won't tell you today. We'll do that we'll next do time. We'll do it next show, next show. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Very, it was very powerful. And I was still looking because I, was, I wasn't finding it at university. So, yeah. and then I got married and we had three kids and my marriage broke up. Mm-hmm. And the reason the marriage broke up is just with, from this last point, talk about segues, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I saw the love in her and she saw the love in me. I didn't see the love in myself and she didn't see the love in herself. Mm-hmm. So she thought she's going to get her love from me. That's how it, how it is when we fall in love. And I thought I was going to get my love from her, but she couldn't go inside of herself to bring out that love, to bring it into the relationship. And I couldn't go inside myself to bring out the love and bring it into the relationship. So she expected it from me and I expected it from her. Neither of us could deliver because we hadn't done our homework, homework, the work you do on yourself. To, be, to become whole, to, be, to feel whole again. And so we were disappointed. Marriage broke up. I wanted to kill. I was really upset. And I wanted to kill something. So I took a job as a pesticide sprayer because I had a pesticide applicator's license from a gardening job I did. And I sprayed pesticides really carelessly. The reason I sprayed them, that's what you use to kill things. Right. The only reason pesticides are made is to kill things. Right. And so I was, I was really careless, walked across lawns. I had, I had sprayed the skin peeled off the bottom of my feet. So then I wore rubber boots, but it was a summer job. I did it in a bathing suit, had a tractor with a boom, with a big boom truck on it. Right. Uh, I, um, and so I was really careless. The wind would drift the spray on my back and three years of doing that. I got poisoned by the pesticides I sprayed. So I went to the doctor, said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? She said, nothing. And that day I realized I had cancer to look forward to. So my palms were sweating. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I realized my health is my responsibility. And I was lucky I had the background in biochemistry and genetics and, and biological sciences. So I had a good foundation in, in my education. I went into the journals, looked at everything that has to do with food and nutrition, uh, sorry, not food and nutrition. <laughs> food is nutrition. Uh, 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 nutrition and health and, and, and disease and health. <laughs> nutrition and health and nutrition and disease. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All go. right. <laughs> and trying to, trying, to, trying to understand because I hadn't really focused on that part of it. Right. And then I started looking at minerals and vitamins and essential amino acids and essential fatty acids and all of the essential nutrients that you can't make but have to have and have to bring in from outside. And I, and I was looking at all of that and I got stuck on oils because it was confusing. So the one, one study I read said omega-6 is an essential fatty acid, which means you have to have it, you can't make it, you've got to bring it in from outside. Right. If, you're gonna bring it, if you don't bring in enough long enough, you die. And if you bring in enough while you're going down before you die, then all of the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed. That's what essential means. Omega-6 is an essential fatty acid, an essential nutrient. And the very next studies I read said, omega-6 gives you cancer and kills you. And my head exploded. It's like, what the hell? (laughs) I have to have it to be healthy. And then when I have it, it kills me. Like, no, there's something right. There's not something, something's not right here. And so I started digging and started looking at how oils are made. And when they make oils, they treat them with uh, sodium hydroxide and phosphoric acid, very corrosive chemicals. And then they bleach them and then they go rancid and then they heat them to frying temperature to clean them up. And then you have a colorless, odorless, tasteless oil. Most of the oils that are on the shelf are like that. And and, uh, half to 1% of the molecules of the oil are damaged. And that doesn't sound like much until you figure out how many molecules are we talking about. So in a tablespoon of an oil that is 1% damaged, guess how many damaged molecules there are? A few hundred? 60 quintillion. Jeez, I can't even... 60 quintillion is a six followed by 19 zeros. And you said a few hundred, let's say a thousand, right? So you're... 16 zeros too short in your estimate 
And the reason why I say that is because think about it, when people underestimate, they always that do. That is crazy. They always do at least a billion times. The estimate is always at least a billion times too low. So what you're doing to yourself using those oils is at least a billion times, and in your case, a trillion times worse. Now, Actually, these, is, can we say which, now these are all oils or these specific seed oils or? or all, all the seed oils. All the seed oil. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Just all the colorless, know. odorless, tasteless seed oils, except okay. for uh, Udo's oil uh, and extra virgin olive oil, if it really is extra virgin olive oil. Okay. And not in the, in the seeds and nuts that contain them, if, they, if those are not uh, burned, like roasted. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's been done to us a half to 1% in all the oils. And the more omega-3 they contain, the more damage is done because omega-3 is much more sensitive than omega-6. And omega-6 is already very sensitive uh, to damage uh, by light, by oxygen, by heat. And so when I found that out, I said, oh, my God, I can't get healthy on oils like that. We should make oils with health in mind. And to do that, you have to make a very, very tight system where no light, no oxygen, and only low temperature gets to the oil from the time it's in the seed, yeah. where it's packaged by nature, which is pretty good packaging, Right. through the pressing, the filtering, the settling, the filling, till it's in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge, in the factory. No light, no oxygen heat. So you have to make a really, really tight system, and I created that system. Uh, conceptually, we had engineers build it, but so I created that, and uh, and then and then we and then I said, okay, well, let's make oils with health in mind. Start with organically grown seeds, so you don't have any pesticides in them. Yeah, and don't put them in plastic because plastic sw uh, swells when you put oil in it. Then plastic leaches into oils quicker than into water. And then you never use an oil like this for frying because frying is the worst thing we've ever invented to do to a food. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing we've ever done because you're, you're exposing oils that are very sensitive that need a lot of care mm -hmm. to protect them from light oxygen heat and you're exposing them to light oxygen heat all at the same time. And when you do that, you, anything you put in the oil, the oil itself or the carbs or the proteins you put in the oil, when you fry them, you increase inflammation in your body when you eat them, and you increase your risk of cancer. Independent, all three of them independent of each other. I said, no, that, you know what? We need to make oils with health in mind. So I got it. My award is for, for starting an industry of making oils with health in mind. And that just came out of my poisoning, you know, <laughs> talk about. So how, long, know, how, long have the, how long have you been doing oils? Like this all started. In I got Poisoned in I got the early poisoned 80s, in right? 1980. Okay. I started working on it in 19, uh, basically then 1981, wrote the book, uh, it published in 19, 1996, uh, sorry, 1986, and started making flaxseed oil. That was my first oil. Uh, in 1980, October 86, and then we started taking it out into 87. 1988, we did a tour through the U.S. in a van without air conditioning because we had no funding or anything. <laughs> and uh, I slept on the floor of the van. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the hottest months, July, August, half of September, oh. half of June, Jeez. 101 days, 85 cities, 35 states, 17,000 miles by road. And in two years... Because, you know, my thing was omega-3. Why omega? I left out a part, part of the story. When I was figuring out about oils and, and health, uh, omega-3 was established as an essential nutrient. Omega-6, that was known in 1929. Omega-3, it was established in 1981, just the year I got poisoned. Perfect timing for my poisoning to, to, to land on, on that turf, right? Yeah. And... Uh, and so because flaxseed oil is the richest source of omega-3s that is easily available to us, we made that as our first oil. It is the most sensitive oil. If we could make that with health in mind, then we could make any oil with health in mind that we wanted. And then I've realized omega-3 uh, is, is essential. 99% of the population doesn't get enough for optimum health. It's a nightmare to work with because of how sensitive it is. Every cell needs it. And I 
my head exploded. I, this time, I think my heart exploded on this one. It says, oh my God, we could help so many people if we could make oils with that oil with health in mind and bring omega-3s back into, the, into people's diet. And that was the enthusiasm of, oh my God, you know, because it feels really good in the heart when yeah. you help people. It sure does. I'm sure, I'm sure you've noticed that. Yes. You know, it's just like, oh my God, we could help so many people. And so we got, we were so enthusiastic. I had no business background, good science background, but no business background. We made decisions on how to run the, the business right and left, all driven by, oh my God, we could help so many people by the inspiration. And then we were inspired. Everybody got inspired. Flax oil became the second highest selling oil out of the, you know, from scratch became the second highest selling oil in the natural foods industry where we were active in two years. It was wow. all, all done on enthusiasm <laughs> in our van without air conditioning. You had a purpose. Your enthusiasm was a purpose to, to, totally. to, to bring health yeah. to, to, to the yeah. masses. And, yeah. And, oh my, you know, oh my God, that's, we that's amazing. So we could know? help almost everybody. That's, that's. So that more and more, and this is why I think this is so important. And, and, and those of you that are listening, you know, it, because there's there's been a lot of here in the states. I know there's been a lot of commercials lately about oils. Social media mm -hmm. is starting to talk more about like seed oils. Um, oh yeah, stuff yeah, there, like yeah, that. there are people. Yeah, there are people saying, "Oh, don't use seed oils. Don't use omega sixes." No, 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 no. They've done half the work. the The oils, the oils are damaged. Yeah, and you've damaged them more by frying. But omega sixes is an essential nutrient. Omega three is an essential nutrient. But because they're sensitive and need a lot of care, you need to give them the care. You need to get these oils made with health in mind. Yeah. And all the people who are writing those books and, and dissing oils, yeah. well, they haven't lot, done that. You know, and the, they and haven't a, done that homework. No, and a lot of them are like, you know, use this oil for as opposed to this in your frying pan. And like you said earlier, you, you, you know, we're, 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 we're putting more heat uh, yeah. to it. You know, flaxseed was something that yeah. uh but i started using more of this year um, yeah I and, and i'll put it on when i do eat salads or, or something like that yeah. and that's and, and we got new, yeah. we have our own garden so we grow our own food oh yeah um uh, majority of it and, and because it's yeah. organic and i know where it's coming from it's not yeah, yeah. we don't put pesticides <laughs> or anything on that so let's yeah you never know that. where it's coming it, from you know, if you, you know. didn't grow it yourself right so uh but putting flaxseed on uh, oil on yeah. on salads and stuff like that or or my brussels yeah. sprouts that we make and it's just it's it's yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing how much better you feel you know, the joints yeah. even your joints my joints you know i had i had bad i uh, was getting uh, bad osteoarthritis in, in yeah. some of my joints in my spine. Yeah. And I've noticed this year using, uh, you know, more omega-3, the flaxseed oil. Yeah. Um, my last doctor's appointment, uh, I was asked, how are you feeling? And I said, I, I haven't mm -hmm. felt this good in years. Yeah. And, I, you know, I had arthritis in my knees when I was 38. I'm 81 now. I don't have any pains in any of my joints anywhere. Yeah. And, and and no cro and, and no crooked fingers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no uh, no lumps on my no lumps on my knuckles yeah. and stuff, you know, uh, and and that's a lot of it has to do with the oil is one part of it, but I've I also pay attention. I eat a lot of raw. I eat a lot of plant based. Yeah. Um, uh, the my frying pan. I I did what I recommend to everybody else. You take it out. You turn it upside down. Bonk yourself on the head with it really hard. So it's associated with pain and throw the stupid thing out. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, it's important. And then I became omega-6 deficient on flax oil because the ratio between omega-3 and 6 has to be right. Okay. And flax is not right. So I got dry eyes, skipped heartbeats, arthritis-like pain in finger joints and thin papery skin. Yeah. And fixed it by eating sunflower seeds, which have omega-6s. Mm -hmm. And that's where the idea came from. Let's make a blend where the ratio is right. And that's what Udo's oil is. That's the, the better version of flax and oil. And where can people find Udo's oil? It's in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge, in the supplement section, in the health food stores. I love it. You can, Udo, yeah. we're, we're running up on time here. We're, I, I yeah. definitely want to have you back on. I got one more yeah. question that I ask all my guests. Yeah. You're on a show called The Decision Hour. We make decisions every day. Yeah. Name a time in your life where your feet were on the line and you had to make that decision. What was it 
And what was the atmosphere like at the time? Well, they have, well, I'll tell you my, my worst one. I went rock climbing. Okay. I had a, I had a job in the woods, uh, in, in geology. We were doing mining exploration for a company, a gold, silver, copper company. Oh, wow. And I decided to take a short to get, take a shortcut by climbing up a cliff. And I got like probably three quarters up the cliff and I couldn't go any further because it was too steep. There was no, there was no track through. And it's like <laughs> looking down, it was a long ways down. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I got, got stuck on the cliff basically. And I'm humming and hawing and you know how it is when you're like scared, a little scared and, uh, you know, and you're indecisive and, uh, what should I do? Uh, well, I can't, uh, I don't want to take a chance, uh, you know, and then <laughs> I was there probably for two hours <laughs> oh, oh. and then the start, the light started to go down <laughs> <laughs> and there was no place to stay on the cliff during the night. So if they, if I was up there and then as like, I was looking around, oh my God, what do I do? Oh shit. How do I get myself into this? Oh man, why did I do this? And you know, you know, all the remorse yeah. and, ah, oh, how could I be so stupid? <laughs> you know, none of which is helpful. Right. Right. And finally, and finally it was just, I could just, st- I could still see, but it was getting harder to see. Yeah. And I, I basically, I had to do something because I, staying there was not an option. Right. And so I decided that I would jump sideways to a place that looked like it might be better. Okay. And, uh, you know, and it was, it was literally life or death. Right. And so, and if there would have been like a pebble that was loose that I landed on when I jumped, I would have been down down the mountain. Wow. <laughs> I would have been trash, right? And so just like uh you know it's like ah! <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of like there's a moment of fierce determination. Yeah. And so I I I jumped and then ra- ran the cliff sideways. You couldn't stand there. Right. So I ran sideways. Uh like uh, you know, and I found a place. And then from there, I was able to, to go back down. Make it down safely. <laughs> wow. But you know, I've, but in a, a lot of times, the determination, the decision for me follows a point where I'm just sick and tired of it. And I, and, and I'm just not sick and tired of it. I'm just like, I'm sick yeah. and tired of it. Yeah. And there is this moment of fierce determination. And out of that moment of fierce determination, there's, there's superhuman possibility in every human being. Yeah. And for me, I tend to, I tend to not be uh, risk adventurous unless I'm inspired. Right. But I tend to be not risk adventurous until I hit this moment of fierce determination. That's yeah. a great story. Thank you for sharing that with yeah. us. And thank you so much yeah. for your time today. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show again. Yeah, I'll tell you the, the really deep story. Um, this was this is all the shallow stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's all the time that we have today. Uh, listen, before we let you go, make sure you go check out our parent company, heroesmediagroup.com. Check out all the podcasts, all the shows. We're going to have all of Udo's uh um, social media stuff as well as his website in the show notes below until next time you've been listening to the decision hour